This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you. Uh, enjoying these uh, beautiful summer days here in Minnesota. Uh, next week, and you may be listening to this podcast at this time, uh, it's going to be very, very hot, unseasonably hot for uh, for June. And uh, speaking of hot, the Minnesota Twins. We'll jump right in, uh, Matt, to the Minnesota Twins. And uh, this is going to be a very Twins-heavy show, uh, as it should be right now. They continue to be in first place in the American League Central Division. Uh, just came off an, a, a really uh, tough stretch against Toronto, the Yankees, and the Tampa Bay Rays all in a row, those uh, top three teams in the AL East, and, and the Yankees have the best record in baseball. And uh, the Twins took two of three from Toronto on the road, lost two of three to the Yankees, easily could have won that series. Uh, the last game they gave away and, and the first game uh, they kind of uh, didn't give away, but uh, it got out of hand late, uh, smoked them in the middle game. And then they took two of three from Tampa. Uh, so they end up five and four during that stretch, uh, which considering how beat up their pitching staff was, especially the starting staff, you had Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, uh, uh, Josh Winder all out. Uh, of course, Chris Paddock is out for the season uh, with with Tommy John. So all in all, that was pretty good. I thought five and four in that stretch. And we'll get into some uh, more grand things, uh, you know, big picture stuff in a minute. But uh, first off, what did you think of uh, of really a solid performance over that stretch? Uh, you have to be pleased when they can deal with all the injuries that they've been dealing with and still win as many games against the top competition like they just did. Um, I think, you know, getting one against the Yankees is improvement uh, given all their struggles there. Uh, yes, they, you're still left with um, a sour taste in your mouth that they didn't win that last game in particular. Um, but I think that they've shown that they have the potential to compete with them. And you know what? I think this is where someone like Carlos Correa is so important to this team because he's had success in the postseason. You know, they've, he's won a World Series. Um, and that's a mindset that this team is going to need come playoff time. And I would be shocked if they don't make the playoffs – given how well they played and given the expanded playoffs now and given how bad the division is, Um, you know, it was nice to see Buxton uh, start to heat up again after his slump. Um, Luis Arias. I mean, you can't, you can't say enough about him. Um, You know, Royce Lewis going down was, it was really tough to see, but um, the mentality from this team, which I think is so encouraging is it really has been, we got depth next man up. Um, and I think that that bodes well for their ability to overcome adversity, ability to overcome, um, you know, being down in, in games and uh, maybe, you know, win the division and make a run in the playoffs. 
Yeah, uh, right now they're 37 and 28 as, as we record this here on uh, Thursday, June 16th. Uh, only two games up on Cleveland, though. And it's been on, this has been the smallest the lead has been in quite some time. Uh, for a while there, the Twins had, you know, five plus game lead on everybody in the division. Cleveland has passed the White Sox. The Cleveland Guardians now eight and two in their last 10 games, and they're 32 and 27. They actually have one fewer loss than the Twins, uh, but five fewer wins. Uh, they've, they've played a lot uh, fewer games than, than the Minnesota Twins have. So uh, Cleveland is coming, and you can never count out a Terry Francona-managed team, especially with the, their ability to develop pitching. Um, if their pitching starts, starts churning like they normally do, and then uh, they've got Jose Ramirez anchoring the lineup, I'm not sure they can, they can outslug the Twins, but they can certainly match up pitching-wise uh, with the Twins. Let's get into something uh, we like. We're going to do a few different sections here. First, we're going to talk about what we like about this Twins team right now. Then maybe what we don't like or like to see improved uh, going forward. And then what do the twins need to do? Section three, what do the twins need to do in order to go from simply division contender to American league contender to really get in the mix with the Yankees of the world? By the way, the Yankees are 46 and 16. Um, unbelievable. Even for their standards. It's crazy. They are, they are, um, they are on a pace right now, similar to the 2001 Mariners who won, I think it was 116 games. Um, yep. and, and then Houston, this feels, this Houston, team, the Yankees team, the Yankees right now feel like they did in, you know, in around 2000 in the late nineties. I mean, they, they just, they feel really good and really dangerous. Um, and it's, it's scary to see. Yeah, and probably what's scariest is their their lineup is certainly murders row, especially the like those top four or five guys when you're talking about LeMahieu and Judge and Stanton. Um, Anthony Rizzo's playing playing well. Uh, they they got Joey Gallo, all kinds of power, and Judge is having an MVP type season when he turned down a huge contract offer by the Yankees in the offseason, Remember, and now Judge is uh, setting himself up for a massive payday this coming off season. Um, but the, the Yankees starting pitching staff is just unbelievable. That's why it was pretty impressive to see what the twins did. Nestor Cortez had a, had was leading the league in ERA. I was at that game early father's day gift uh, for my dad that night. And uh, that that's a gift that can last for years because he hates the Yankees as much as anyone. And I uh, saw, saw, saw the twins beat them eight to one. Um, in the, in the one game they won, but uh, they pounded Nestor Cortez in that game, hit Jamison Pion pretty well, and then hit five homers off Garrett Cole, still found a way to lose that game somehow. You have to win a game where you hit five homers off Garrett Cole, but the positive was that they did so, and uh, they, they knocked around that Yankees pitching staff pretty good. Now, some of the Yankees relievers aren't healthy right now, Aroldis Chapman among them, so, uh, you know, we'll see. That could be a matchup. In the postseason, yet again, remember for the postseason, the top two division winners get buys. And this is something we'll talk about more as we, you know, get further into the season. But it is very important to try to be one of those top two division winners. Otherwise, you have to play a best of three. If you're the third division winner, you'll play that last wildcard team in, like you alluded to, Matt, with the expanded playoffs. 
you'll play the last wildcard team in in a best of three that you'll host. But uh, you want to avoid that best of three if at all possible. And right now, the uh, the Twins four behind Houston in the in the loss column. That's the other the thing that uh, is is going to be tough is that AL West is not good. People talk about the AL Central's bad. Uh, they now have two teams over 500, the Twins in Cleveland. The AL West only has Houston over 500. Texas is in second place, nine and a half back, four under 500. Uh, there's really not a lot of teams over 500 right now in all of baseball, period. Uh, there's a huge talent disparity, but we'll get into all that. Uh, but right now, the Twins would be the third division winner, and they would match up. Let's just see. Let's just... Uh, because this is fun to look at. They'd actually match up against Cleveland in the first round. Um, Interesting. Cleveland right now would be the final wildcard team in a half game ahead of Boston. So right now you have the division leaders, Yankees, Houston would be the top two seeds. Twins would be the third seed. Toronto, the fourth seed. Tampa Bay, the fifth seed. And Cleveland, the sixth seed. So you'd play Cleveland, and then I don't know if they reseed or not, but uh, Regardless, then if the Twins won that series, and that's <laughs> far from a given, they've lost 18 straight playoff games. Don't need to remind everybody, but I just did. And then they would play Houston in the set, so they they wouldn't even be matched up against the Yankees potentially till the American League Championship Series. So, uh, but we know getting past Houston is tough, and the Twins failed to do that in the COVID year in 2020. But let, let's get into what we like about this team, and I'll just start. And you mentioned it already. Luis Arise. Luis Arise is the engine that makes this team go. 354 batting average, 438 on base. And he's consistently led the, the league in on base percentage. He's been up there in batting average as well. Um, hit a huge grand slam, actually, in the, uh, in the Tampa Bay series. In the game, by the way, that very controversially, Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa did not uh, play it. Uh, so that was that was huge for for Louis Rise. He's just on and off the field, tremendous guy. Um, the the energy, the the enthusiasm, the joy that he brings to the ballpark every day is something to watch. And he's just a magician at the plate. I mean, he this uh, Judd Zulgad pointed this out uh, from from Score North. Uh, I want to attribute this to him because he, he made a great point. He's why batting average still matters, Louis Rice. And it's it's really a good point because he is a magician up there. He battles you. It's not just the hits he gets. Even when he gets out, he's usually getting out in long extended bats, hitting the ball hard somewhere. Um, he's just been a joy joy to watch. The other thing that I like is you mentioned it as well. Buxton coming back from the knee, and, and the, he had an 0 for 30 skid. I was at a game against the Royals where he snapped that with an infield hit, but I mean, he's just hitting the cover off the ball right now. He has 18 home runs um, and, and Buxton, despite some scuffles, you know, when he was going through probably the worst of dealing with the injury, being in and out of the lineup, um, his average was down near the 200 mark. Now it's a 227, but his slugging is 569. So that has stayed pretty consistent. Um, you would like to see some more stolen bases uh, from him, only one in one attempt so far. So you'd like, like to see the running game get going. 
But I think the big thing for him is getting into the lineup on a more regular basis. You can do all this stuff with the off days, and we can debate that till the cows come home. But the bottom line is, if a guy has to miss several games in a week or two-week stretch, it's hard to get into a rhythm, even as talented as Byron Buxton is. And I think you saw that because he had to miss so many games due to the injury um, and trying to keep that knee right. He, he struggled at the plate during that time. And now it seems like the knee's feeling better and he's out there on a more consistent basis, which is huge. On, on the pitching side, what I really like, Griffin Jacks. Griffin Jacks out of the bullpen. You have to give this Twins front office and coaching staff, whoever made the decision to put Griffin Jacks in the bullpen, you have to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, because Griffin had an ERA, granted he was a rookie last year, first time in the big leagues, but he had an ERA north of six last year as a starter. It was a struggle for him. Uh, first, by the way, first Air Force Academy graduate to appear in the big leagues, um, Griffin Jacks. Um, tremendous story. And dad played in the NFL, uh, but he's turned into a lockdown reliever. I mean, 2.59 ERA, he's got 36 strikeouts in 31 and a third innings, opponents hitting 212 against him. And his fastballs, got uh, added velo, you know, now he's, you know, 94 to 96 miles an hour with the fastball and he's throwing a lot of sliders and the sliders nasty and, and hitters aren't able to touch him right now. So he's huge. And then obviously Yohan Duran, Yohan Duran um, is just a weapon out of that bullpen with a consistent. He's, I saw a stat on the TV last night. They were showing uh, Duran is the only pitcher in baseball right now with an average fastball velocity in the triple digits in the triple digits average uh, and we've seen many at 103 i think that's the the hardest we've seen but consistently hitting triple digits the splinker whatever you want to call it splitter sinker whatever i i started hearing about that in 2019 when i covered him in fort myers when he was a starter and i didn't know what in the world that pitch was but bottom was just dropping out of it and he's got a he's got a hammer curveball I mean they were saying on the on the YouTube broadcast and they were the YouTube game of the day the final game in Seattle and the broadcasters were saying he could definitely start um but they think he's going to stay in the bullpen and I think it's a he's it's inevitable he's going to be the closer whether you know or not he shares those duties with Emilio Pagan who's pitching pretty well um but Duran's their nastiest arm out of that bullpen so those two rookies Jax and Duran huge huge out of the bullpen for them so um that's th those are some of the things I like and then final thing Devin Smeltzer has stepped up huge in the rotation for them with all those guys uh with all those guys shut down Smeltzer has been uh, a godsend and just tremendous story as well cancer survivor uh came over in a trade with the Dodgers and has just worked his butt off. And, and when his name was called on this year to come up from AAA, he was ready. And uh, he's going deep into games and giving them a chance to win each and every time out. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I, um, you know, touching briefly on, on one that you said, I would say the first thing I love about these, this team is star power. This has the most star power with the guys you mentioned in Arias, in Buxton, in Duran, 
and then you got to add Correa, especially with him heating up now. This is the most star power since the what mid to you know two thousands uh, teams for the Twins when you had the Eminem boys and you had you know Johan Santana and you know where you guys you had people both pitchers and hitters that could compete for the top awards on the team. And we haven't had that um, really in a while. We maybe had somewhat an individual person who popped up, um, but that is exciting as a Twins fan. Um, I think encompassing some of the points you said, and I mentioned it earlier, the depth. As soon as someone goes down, someone else steps up. You know, someone not getting the job done, someone else steps up, You, you know, uh, you know, Pagan has been solid. Smeltzer has been great. Chris Archer has been solid. Uh, you, you know, so yeah, Dylan Bundy not getting the job done. Chris Archer steps up. You know, you 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 seem to keep being able to plug in guys. You know, you know, folks who are coming up from the minor leagues and making solid contributions. Um, you know, and and I also look at not only is it depth, but it's sort of consistency spread throughout the team you've got one two three four five six seven eight guys with five homers or more on the team you know the outlier being buxton with 18 um but that's great uh you know you've got one two three four five six seven guys with 20 rbis or more i mean like you're getting this is you've got star power but it's not a top heavy team where the, the bottom falls out. And we're seeing some other guys who've stepped up and been better this year who did not perform previously like they you hope they would. And I, in particular, I think of someone like Max Kepler, who's, um, who's cooled off some but was really good to start the season. Um, one thing I also don't like, uh, I hate to take a shot at him, no Miguel Sano. This, for too long, we stuck with the Miguel Sano experience and gave him a big contract and kept flipping him into different positions because we knew he could hit 30 home runs, even though he'd hit potentially below the Mendoza line and strike out a gajillion times. And it just was not worth the money and the frustration and the inconsistency. Um, you know, you, you get someone like Buxton who's going to hit way more home runs, steal way more bases, uh, be electric in the field and still hit 40 points above, uh, you know, where Sano was, even though he's got a low batting average. Um, you know, <laughs> Luis Arias is hitting, you know, 150 over what Sano would generally hit. I mean, that's just outrageous. So that that's another thing that I, I like. Um, he and, may, you know, he like, may be coming back, though. That's actually, I, that's actually a good – that actually leads into a good talker. Because they're going to have a decision to make. I think he's he's approaching a rehab assignment, if I'm not mistaken. And when he's healthy, I mean, they're going to have a decision to make. Also, Alex Kirilov is crushing it right now in AAA. Yeah. He should be in the big leagues. Alex Kirilov needs to be in the big leagues. The wrist seems fine. He's absolutely annihilating triple a pitch they need to find a place for him in the big leagues whether it's at dh whether it's spelling arise at first base a little bit obviously louis arise needs to be in the lineup every day but 
whether that's taking the spot, Jose Miranda's playing very well right now, but whether that's taking Miranda's spot or Gilberto Celestino's spot, Trevor Larnick's playing well, you don't take him out of the lineup, you, you don't think, except against lefties, but you got to find a spot for Alex Kirilov on this roster right now because by all me, I, I have nothing against the St. Paul Saints. I want them to do well, but he, his bat needs to be on the Minnesota Twins roster. They have been shut out nine times, which is the most of any team in the big leagues. So you, another bat can't hurt. And that, that bat imminently is Alex Kirilov. And then we'll see with, uh, with Sano what they end up doing. And that leads into, I guess, one thing we don't like. And, you know, the shutouts was one I was going to say, you know, so you touched on it. It's the hot and cold nature of this team offensively, um, you know, has been frustrating. You know, how many times you watch the games or look at the box scores and, and just you see them losing 3-2 games or you see them losing, you know, 3-0 games uh, for as good as they are. But the other thing is the, the downside of the depth um is they've they've got a um choke point at a lot of these positions where they've got players in particular young players that are ready for the big leads leagues should probably see the field you know two out of every three games or three out of every four games and they can't and you really have an issue you know i, I my view is i don't think sano should be in there as good as, you know, he's been better this year, I think Kepler might be, you know, a, a trade asset that you need to unload. Um, what do you do with someone, you know, Royce Lewis getting injured changes the scenario and, and we'll see what Correa does at the end of this year. But what do you do with Urshela? What do you do with Gary Sanchez? They've been solid contributors. They've been, um, you know, they bring playoff experience um and playoff wins which uh, again going back to Correa uh, the a lot of this team doesn't have but they're not so overwhelmingly good that you can necessarily justify not giving these higher upside players more at bats and I do think that that is going to be an issue and then I think the third thing on my list of things we don't like is you know we know since Rocco Baldelli became manager, I think I saw you know Aaron Gleeman or someone tweeted today. Uh, yeah, the Minnesota Twins have AL's fourth best record since Rocco Baldelli took over as manager in 2019, behind the Yankees, Rays, and Astros. You cannot argue with that result. You can argue about the results in the playoffs, and that's fair. But given the inconsistencies that the team had over the end of the Gardenhier years and with Molitor, like. That's a pretty good result. However, the rigid adherence to analytics and the uh, to the point where it seems like you can't you know make a feeling decision in terms of in in, in game management as we talked about before, as well as the rigid adherence to the set days off. We know it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, but it does seem, again, like it's just the rigidity of holding to the plan no matter the situation. Um, has left some wins on the sideline and doesn't give me comfort for how many, he might potentially manage a game in the playoffs. What about you? Rigidity is the exact word that I was going to use, actually. So you, you took the words right, my, right out of my mouth there. 
that is the the biggest thing that I don't like. I'm not against analytics at all. Um, I think they have a role to play, no question. But I do think they are too tied to the analytics at times. And, and I'll give you a good example. Um, I was at the Twins-Royals game a couple weeks ago when Devin Smeltzer was absolutely rolling. Absolutely rolling. Could not be touched by the Royals lineup. He had already gone through the lineup probably two and a half times. So, so it wasn't like he was about to start his third time through. And I know that's one thing they're really obsessed with. And not just the Twins, by the way, in fairness. A lot of teams are just overly obsessed with pulling the starter after the second time through the order. Okay, fine. The way Devin Smeltzer was pitching, you can have a plan going into the game. Say, hey, you know, Devin Smeltzer, he's just up from the minor leagues. He's kind of a swing guy, bullpen. He's, he's pitched some in relief. He's started some games. He's a solid pitcher, but he's not Sonny Gray. He's not Joe Ryan, you know, or even Bailey Ober. He, he's not one of our top dogs in the, in the rotation. So you can have that plan going in. Okay, he's going to see the lineup twice, and then we're going to turn it over to the bullpen. However, the way he was pitching, you need to adjust the plan. And also, by the way, the bullpen had been burnt out in the in the few games prior to that, so they didn't even have their best guys available to pitch into the eighth inning. So Smelter goes seven innings. He was at 80 pitches. And had he pitched more than that this season? No. But he had no pitch count on him. I mean, he, he wasn't coming off an injury or anything. It's June. There's no reason we can't stretch a guy out to 100 pitches by this point or a little more. He could have gone at least one more inning, if not thrown a complete game shutout in that game, completely rested your bullpen. Instead, what happened? They turned it over to Tyler Duffy, and Tyler Duffy subsequently blew the game. And they left him in for a little too long, in my opinion. They do need to leave a guy in for three batters, so three batter minimum. Um, and then we saw you know, Duffy come in in another game when the Twins were only down 5-4 against the Yankees, and Rocco Baldelli called that not a very high, he didn't consider it a high leverage situation, which I think was laughable. Uh, that was a very high leverage, 5-4 in the seventh inning, whether you're up, down, that's a high leverage situation. And they brought in Duffy essentially to get some work in when they were coming off an off day and had everyone available. So the, the rigid, those are just a couple examples of the rigidity. And you're right, why, I'm, why it gives me angst is because we've seen it in the playoffs before. It's not like this team hasn't been in the playoffs under Rocco Baldelli and under this regime of, of Falvey and Levine. They've been in the postseason before. What happened in the Yankees? Let's just take the Yankees series and the Astros series. In the Yankees series, they pulled Barrios after four innings. His last inning was good at Yankee Stadium. I had the pleasure of being at that game um, at Yankee Stadium. And they pulled Barrios. That was questionable, but not egregious. But then they brought in Zach Littell. And then when it was a one-run game, they brought in Cody Stasek because this is what they did during the regular season. They didn't do anything differently in the postseason. And in the postseason, you have off days. You have off days. So Taylor Rogers, Sergio Romo, they should have been pitching every game. 
of that series. You use your top dogs every game. In contrast, the Yankees early in that game, Aaron Boone took out his starter and put an Adam out to face Nelson Cruz, like in the fourth or fifth inning. Adam Adovino was normally an eighth inning guy for them, but they knew the game could be on the line right there because of Cruz's power potentially was hitting with the guy on. So the rigidity came back to bite him there. Also, then in game two, they started Randy Dobnak instead of Jake Odorizzi, a rookie in Randy Dobnak, who had pitched very well for them, but had no business starting in Yankee Stadium over Jake Odorizzi. And, and then Jake Odorizzi pitched great in game three, but the series was basically done by that point. And then in the Houston series, the rigidity really came into play when Kenta Maeda was pitching great, took him out after five. Jose Barrios was pitching even better. Game of his life, really, and took him out after five because he was about to face the order a third time. They didn't adjust to the game conditions and look at how their guys were pitching. So, that does give me worry if they're that rigid in the playoffs and that rigid to what they do in the regular season. If they don't adjust what they do in the regular season to the playoffs, and this is assuming they get there, that's still there's still a lot of work to be done. But if they do get there, I hope and pray that they've learned from their mistakes in those last two postseason appearances. Just to quickly add, and I want you to go back to the other things you don't like, and I'm I completely forgot to name Tyler Duffy and I don't see how the analytics say that Tyler Duffy should be pitching on this squad anymore but if you're going to do what Rocco did in the postseason I 100% agree do what the Nationals did when they went on that run and I know they had better starters than we did but like this team hasn't won a playoff as you said an 18 game and 18 attempts put in your absolute best pitcher after taking those guys out. So I don't care if you have to go Kenta Maeda, then Jose Barrios, then Taylor Rogers, you know, whatever you need to do, that's fine with the days off, put in your best guys. Don't put in the, your traditional long relievers that guys. I wouldn't that use don't two starters, stuff. but I wouldn't use two but, starters but in a row. But I know yeah. you wouldn't. Yeah. I know you wouldn't, but that's exactly what the nationals did on their world series run. They used multiple starters in the same game because they said, well, they had like five good ones. I know. And I know they could, I know the depth, I know the depth matters, but the point is, especially in shorter series and with the lack of success, the twins have had when you just need to get the one win to give you confidence. Don't be, and you have the days off. Don't be afraid to you, even if a starter has to go in for one inning or two innings, just to give you that, that little extra gap, use a better pitcher on a day. They would normally be throwing a bullpen anyway. So yeah, to your your point. And and I think you could see, you know, let's just hope everybody's healthy. That's one thing that I'm worried about because Sonny Gray has injury history. He's already been on the IL twice. Bailey Ober has huge injury history. Uh, Chris Archer has huge injury history. And then you have got some young guys who may be against innings limits and who knows if that'll come into play, you know, with guys like Joe Ryan and, and, uh, and others. But I mean, you could see the makings of that. If gray Ryan, maybe a starter who they acquire in a trade, if those are your top three guys, and then maybe Bailey Ober is, Number four, you could see Chris Archer maybe being that guy out of the Exactly. Bullpen. I don't think Dylan Bundy will 
figure into the equation. He his days could be numbered on this on this roster. That's no intel I have. That's just he's just not getting the job done. His velo is 89.90, and you need to have perfect location when you have that uh, when you're you're not throwing very hard, and he just doesn't uh, have. Josh Winder is another. Josh Winder is another guy. So you may suddenly. And, and then they actually have some intriguing arms. Jordan Belazovic at AAA, he is struggling. Uh, he, he came off an injury, a knee injury earlier in the year. He's struggling. If he can find it, though, he could. we could see him. And then Matt Cantorino at, at AA has huge strikeout numbers. They may want to bring him up in the bullpen to start his major league career. So they do have some starting pitching depth mainly in double a right now with the exception of Belazava. Um, but some other intriguing Louis Varland, who's a native Minnesotan had a huge year last year. It's having another big, big year. And then Simeon Woods Richardson, who was part of that Jose Barrios deal with Toronto last year is pitching very well for the Wichita wind surge at double a as well. So, you know, it, it's something to keep in mind. I don't think that point from you is, uh, is a bad one at all, but I do, I, I do think we totally agree. You can't be playing the same game in the regular season that you are in the postseason. If you have a five game series, you normally have two games off day, two games off day, one game. I mean, that is much more rest time than you get in the regular season. And these games obviously mean a lot more in the postseason. So you can't go with your typical middle relievers. Uh, you can't do that. Uh, in the postseason, you need to use your top guns virtually every game, virtually every game. Rest be damned. Uh, you can worry about next season, next season. But if you're in the postseason, you, you you throw all your darts. You throw all your darts. And they didn't do that in that Yankees series in particular. And then they pulled the starters early against Houston and then put in, you know, Cody Stashak in, in a tie game. And uh, the, the, the idea that if you're down at all, that you can't use your best relievers like that Yankees that first game of the Yankees series really was annoying because they were down five, four in the seventh. They were still very much in that game. And they brought in the one guy who's struggling the most in that bullpen and Tyler Duffy. And by the time he, you know, gave up a three run Homer to, to Anthony Rizzo, the game was over uh, at the, at that point. So five, four down in the seventh, that's still what I would consider high leverage. I know, I know, you know, you don't want to burn out the bullpen and all that, but basically they were saving these arms for a hypothetical situation that may never present itself. You know, the, the, the fact is they were in a 5-4 game in the seventh inning. So um, I, do, I do think, um, I hope they've learned from some, some playoff failures of the past if they do get back uh, to the postseason this year that's the main thing that i that i dislike as as well um but but ultimately it's been a fun team to watch i mean you can't you can't deny this team's really fun to watch um the and and one thing i like that i forgot to mention is how this team seems to like each other this team really seems to have good chemistry geo urshela i love geo urshela uh his his play at third base has been elite I don't care what the defensive metrics say uh, about, you know, I've seen all these people on Twitter posting these defensive metrics. They're not perfect. They're not perfect. Use your eyes. 
Are there some plays he hasn't made that if he had a little better range, he could make sure, but he's made elite plays, clutch plays, come up with clutch hits. And he's just been awesome over there at third base. Seems like a, a great guy. And uh, I, I talked to a, a Yankees fan who said, you know, you can have Gary Sanchez, but uh, they really miss Gio Urshela. And, and, and I agree, but Gary Sanchez, to his credit, has been very solid as well. Up there in the team leaders in RBIs, his defense has improved dramatically. If you want to talk about defensive metrics, his, his pitch framing's improved. Uh, his throw, his, he's always had a good throwing arm, and he's blocked pitches better. He's calling better games. Pitchers like throwing to him. I guess his attitude uh, from, what we, uh, from what has been reported has been much better since the trade. Uh, so it's been a nice, a nice new change of scenery for Gary Sanchez. Um, so both those guys have been, have been welcome additions. Yeah, totally agree. They've been, um, the, the team seems to gel. There was just something that, that prevented the team from gelling last year. Um, what impact Josh Donaldson had on that. I, you know, there have been some reports of that. We don't know, but something, you know, the mojo was missing. Um, Moving to, you know, the third thing that you raised of what you would like to see the Twins do. It, I think we're both going to probably be fairly aligned on this one, which is they need a number one starter. They, you know, that they need that ace. They've not had it in the playoffs. The hope would be that Kenta Maeda, you know, could could be that guy, but obviously he's injured. Another guy uh, is coming back to, to our earlier point. Uh, that's that's when another, is he, is he going to be back this year? I, I mean, mean he might that? he might. We don't know. We don't know. I I don't think you can count on it. But uh, he's he's back in Minnesota now. He's doing his rehab here. Um, so we'll see. But I think there's a possibility he's back in August or September. And maybe he pitches out of the bullpen. Remember for the Los Angeles Dodgers, how effective he was in the postseason for sure. Two, three innings out of the bullpen. Uh, that could be another thing. You know, you, you have to change, you have to get creative in the postseason. And he could be a weapon. He could be. But but you need more. You need more. I agree. And and you know what? I, I think what, what I fear the twins are gonna do is they're gonna go out and acquire someone who you know almost like how they went after dylan bundy for so many years when you know even when he was you know better which was we're gonna go get another number four type of starter or another number three starter to give us depth that's not what this team needs the depth is there the, so there are you know there are essentially two guys right now it's frankie montez of the a's and it's luis castillo of the reds and Mayley also Mayley on the reds is that I, yeah, a lot of people like Mailey, but I mean, he his ERA is still in the what I think the high fours last I checked. Um, yeah, four four six. So I, I I just I know he's got good stuff. I think he's like twenty seven, twenty eight years old. So we, you know, I I just to me, you need you need a stuff, and I think one of those two guys is what you need, and then it's bullpen depth. Um, you know, you just to the, to our earlier point, unless you're going to trot out the starters and have those guys to do it, you just, those arms are wearing out, um, you know, with how much use, you know, the analytics call for them. 
to be used. And we're going to need additional, you know, power arms. Um, and so getting one or two relievers along with an ace would be great. Now, you can't get anyone without giving someone up. So there are going to be pieces that they'll have to part with. And it'll probably be some mix of, you know, major league people and some young guys. But this team, there seems to be enough there. You might have Carlos Correa only for one year that I, they just, it, it's as clear cut what they need as it's ever been. Um, and I think that that's what they need to go out and do. And they've got to be willing to part with some of, you know, some of these veterans, you know, and they know better about the team chemistry and, you know, how it all meshes together uh, in order to acquire those two pieces. What about you? Yeah. And I, I agree. And it's going to be mainly prospects when you're talking about a contending team, making trades, you're, you're normally not trading at least, significant parts off your big league roster um it may that come into play sure and that may clear up some of the some of the issues with too many players for too few positions as we discussed discussed earlier especially if a guy like Sano comes back but um i do agree they obviously need the the one starter and probably two relievers to really feel like they can compete with the Yankees and Astros in the American league and even Toronto and Tampa Bay as well too. The, the AL East is, is stacked. Boston might be a playoff team as well. Um, but I'm going to go a little outside the box too. I would not be opposed to one of two things on the offensive side. One adding a bopper and i mean a serious home run hitter like nelson cruz was in 2019 he's hitting well right now he is hitting well that wouldn't be i mean if he's still hitting well i'm not opposed to, i mean i know i like how they've been able to rotate the dh around it's been able to get guys like buxton off his feet if, if you want to play Jeffers and Sanchez at the same time, they've been able to do that. But, you, you know, I think they are, they have been shut out nine times, which is the most in the, in all of baseball. And it is hard to make. Now I do like one thing I like is how they've been able to manufacture runs more. They're not just relying on the home run. They've hit the ball to the opposite field in key spots. Uh, they've come up with key hits and with runners in scoring position. They've taken extra bases, but I, I still think they haven't replaced that Nelson Cruz bopper from 2019. Now Buxton is hitting a bunch of home runs, 18 home runs, but uh, you, you hope he's healthy for the postseason. You can't count on it, but you certainly hope he is. But I think they need another bopper in that lineup. Correa is hitting the ball very well. Buxton, we know, uh, but I wouldn't mind one more big bat in the middle of the lineup. I think you feel really good with, in no particular order, Arise, Buxton, Correa, and Polanco as your top four hitters. Kepler has been thrown into that mix, but I think those top four are really solid uh, if you put those four out, one, two, three, four. But I still would like to lengthen that lineup just a little bit more. I don't like Kepler hitting in the cleanup spot or number five. I'd like to drop him down a little bit more. So I think a bopper. And then the other out, outside the box thing would be and this one cost a lot speed 
I, I would like to see, I, I think Nick Gordon could be a pinch runner candidate. Buxton, we like his speed. Polanco can run a little bit. Kepler can run a little bit. But I'd like to see just a blazing fast guy who you put on the playoff roster as a pinch runner late in games. So if a guy like a Jeffers or a Sanchez or um, even an Urshela gets on late in a game, you can have that speed guy you go to off the bench. Think Gerard Dyson for the Royals when they won the World Series. He was running. He was a pinch runner in like every game and stealing a base in every game or multiple bases. It's Dave Roberts. Dave, Dave Roberts. Roberts. In 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 uh, when when Boston was down 3-0 and came back to beat the Yankees. So to having that pinch runner off the bench would be a good thing. So I think if you really want to complete this team, a bopper and a speed guy, in addition to the pitching, the pitching is the priority. But if you really want to go for it, you do that. And by the way, you learned from 2019. To your point, you may only have Correa for a year. You learned from 2019. You can't just assume that you're going to have the same opportunity next year. Things change. Obviously, we didn't know COVID was coming, but and, and they made it back to the playoffs in 2020, but they lost. 2019, they had hit the most home runs in the history of baseball, but they didn't do enough to add to the pitching staff. They had no starters. Now, Michael Pineda going down did hurt, and they also thought they had Stroman, and we'll never know what happened there because I think they would have been willing to give up more than uh, than the Mets did for Stroman. But uh, but still, they didn't do enough at the trade deadline in 2019. You can't get so attached. I love prospects. I worked in the minor leagues. I know a lot of these guys. But you can't get so attached to prospects that you're unwilling to make a move that might push you over the top. I got one other outside-the-box um, option for you. And, and you're going to, I know you're going to appreciate this one because you, the one thing you warned about the Josh Donaldson trade was including Rortvet. Yeah. And it's catcher. And no, you're right. Yeah. It's, it is a positional weakness right now, defensively, depth wise, offensively. And so getting another catcher to mix in potentially one with a little bit more pop um, would be a cheaper and, and normally catchers are easier to acquire. They are not as expensive. So especially just, a defense. I think a defensive catcher, uh, Ryan Jeffers was 0 for 15 throwing out runners at one point. I think he just yeah. threw out his first one the other day and it was when a guy overslid the bag teams are starting to attack that. And in the postseason. Teams really exploit your weaknesses. Even a team that may not steal a lot in the regular season, they see that they can steal. They're going to exploit that weakness. So I think that's a that's a very good point. So I, I don't know the defensive metrics for catchers right now, but when I when I think offensively, your potential Wilson Contreras from the Cubs having a really good season. Um, the Cubs not very competitive right now. You know, he would certainly, you know, he's got 12 home runs on the season, 26 RBIs. He'd give you some pop. He's good. Uh, good he's leader, good. too. Very good leader. Yes. High energy. Uh, another one, uh, Sean Murphy of the A's had a very good season last year. You know, he has another seven home runs this year. 
you know, he could, you know, be a good veteran addition, um, you know, and then uh, I think the, the Reds also Stevenson, um, you know, he's injured right now, but has been uh, a good player as well. So now you're doubling up with the A's and the Reds on top of it. Uh, if you're potentially trading with them for starting pitching. Um, so I, I do think that that, if you're looking at a positional player, I agree with you, extra speed helps in having a guy like that for depth, um, you know, and as well as getting someone with some pop, but catcher would be the one. Catcher right now is their weakest, I feel like, position. You know, Gary, you know no Gary question. Sanders. No question about it. Gary Sanchez, not really a catcher, uh, really more of a DH, um, you know, and then obviously Jeffers, it, it just defensively, it's a problem and they could use, you know, if you could get someone with some more pop too, uh, I think that it could really help improve this team. They, they like Jeffers a lot. He still has to prove it. Um, he's, he's a little bit more comfortable at the plate right now, but an average has consistently been under 200 this year. But I, again, I'm not so concerned about whoever the kid, whether it's Jeffers or, or Sanchez, I'm not concerned about their hitting as much. They've got enough hitting. You can stash that guy ninth if you need to in the lineup. But if you have a guy who's 0 for 15, as Jeffers was at one point throwing out runners and he's struggling that much, that needs to get fixed. That needs to get fixed before the postseason, whether it's Jeffers back there, Sanchez back there, or, catcher du jour who you may acquire that needs to be fit you can't have a hole that glaring because teams will run on you teams will run on you the tampa bay rays did it to ryan jeffers um they had three stolen bases in that sunday finale when they shut out the twins and salvaged the final game of the series so teams will do it the new york yankees are an example of a team that you don't think you think of them more as a station to station team they are running a lot more this year. Not as much stealing base. I mean, they had a double steal the other night um, when I was watching. Now, you know, they don't have any really blazing fast guys, but they're taking the extra base. And if they see a weakness again in the postseason, they are going to find it. Uh, whether that's a guy's weakness at the plate, a guy struggling to throw out runners. And uh, yeah, that needs to be fixed 100%. But and I'm I'm not I'm not putting, you know, Jeffers struggles throwing out runners totally on him either. The pitchers have to do a better job holding on because I was I've been watching many times this year and Ryan Jeffers has had no chance to throw out runners because the pitchers did a poor job holding them on. So it's it's a combination of things. Uh, but certainly, I think Ryan is a very strong arm. His pop time, as they say from the time the, the ball, and what do they say pop time is? That's when the ball pops in the catcher's glove to the time it pops in the second baseman or shortstop's glove covering second base, uh, more if it's a steal of third. That's what pop time would be. I think his was a little slow. From, I, I don't know that for a fact, but just, just watching that release is a little too slow uh, for Jeffers right now. So I think he still needs to get comfortable with it, and uh, they need to figure it out. Another outside-the-box catcher candidate, and this one I'm not sure. Admittedly, I'm divided on. Would the Phillies unload JT Real Muto? He's having a little bit of a down year. They just signed him to a new five-year deal, I think, last year. 
it's probably too rich for the Twins' blood. You might, but maybe if the Phillies agreed to pay for some of it, you it's worth the risk because you're getting a guy who has playoff experience, who is, I believe, still really good defensively, can be really good offensively. Um, and if you get the Phillies to take on some of it, you that could be um, a good mix of someone that you bring on, even though there's a little bit more risk in doing so. There's higher ceiling there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that'd be harder to pull off. Um, For sure. And, and the Phillies are still in the wild card race. So um, that's the other thing. It's It may be tougher to pull off trades because this, this third wild card this is going to be more teams thinking we're in it, we're in it. And the price may go up for some of these guys because the sellers are going to be more limited. So the only thing I'll say on that is I, I agree, but I could also see some of these other teams that have these like players that they formally gave big contracts that might still have a little gas in the tank, but they really don't want to like, you know, maybe they say, I want to get in the Aaron judge competition. So I'll unload someone that, you know, I think is going to free up some, you know, salary, you know, that I can throw Aaron Judge's way, um, you know, in, in free agency or a Carlos Correa if he opted out or something like that. I know it's weird in, you know, baseball, you know, from a salary perspective, it's not as clean, clean cut. But I, that's the only thing that I could see some borderline teams, you know, with some high price veterans say, you know, with one or with a couple years left that, you know, let's hit the reset on this and, um, and, and go make our splash in free agency. Yep. Yep. We'll see. It's going to be very, very interesting. That was a fun show. Um, I think we, we covered all our bases, pun intended, um, on, on that. And, uh, yeah, it should be, should be fun. I mean, the good thing is you want, competitive baseball over the summer in Minnesota summers in Minnesota are a lot better when the Minnesota twins are competitive and they have ensured that uh, we will stay interested throughout the summer unless really the bottom fell, falls off. But I, I don't see that happening. Um, I think they're going to be competitive all the way through and uh, hopefully return to playoff baseball for this, for this Minnesota twins team come October. All right, that'll do it for today. For Matt Gallivan, I'm Marshall Kellner. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.